rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. He is the rabbi, and he looks really good this morning. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's good. So you know, we're we we got a brotherly love here. So I can just be forthright with you. You don't think I'm hitting on you? You know, okay. we're we're confident heterosexual men. But you look good today. You thank got you got you got a good shirt on. I think your wife dressed you well. Your hair is done. You Why know, the pastel blue? Um, so father, uh, I mean, sorry, Rabbi um, Durbin is refer- father, father, father Durbin and Rabbi Christian. Um, he's, he's referring to, I'm not wearing my, my black clericals. If you go into our the YouTube page at WSTU, you'll see this, um, because it was on the clearance rack. So if you go to Catholic, uh, stores, they have a clearance rack for clericals, these shirts. And so the blue one was nine ninety nine, um, and it was short sleeved. So I went for it. So do you, is there, is there times where. Uh, like a for, for for a formality perspective, you wear black. Can you wear blue? Can you wear yellow? Can you wear red? Yeah, you know you can. The the, purp- the color you just want to stay away from is purple because purple's for a bishop. So you don't want to be playing around with that. And okay. and then you're trying to you're trying red. to you're trying to upgrade yourself. Um, red, the color you could wear red for different colors of seasons. You know, red for Pentecost. You know, it's a big one. Um, if you, if you if you want to, but usually people just go straight black. What about white? Yeah, I have a white one. Uh, my congregation hates it. You know. Do you wear it for certain times throughout the year? Uh, no, I mean you could you could wear it at Christmas. You know, white's a time of celebration. It's a okay. that's a big feast Purity. day, right? But usually your white collar, you know, that's part of it. The dog collar you wear. So, um, but you know, these are things that I I don't mind. I like. Hmm. I kind of love wearing the clericals. It's free evangelism. But there's things that we kind of sometimes hate. Hate about I'd like our to, religion. I'd like to explore that issue of what? things that we hate. What? Well, things that you hate, and, and then you hate about about religion. So, hey, you're here in the studio with me. I am. Why don't we do a podcast about what people hate, and maybe things that you and I hate about religion? Can a can a priest and a rabbi talk about things they hate? We're not supposed to hate, dude. Uh, maybe 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 it's just semantics. Maybe we just say things that we are less enamored by. Could be. We want to know what you what you hate out there about religion. If you do, uh, please let us know. Leave a comment here on the podcast for a priest and a rabbi. Like us on Facebook. We are so grateful. Share this with someone who might uh, get a kick out of this. Um, so thank you all so much for for being here. We got an episode coming to you about what do we hate about religion and uh, does does religion lead to all the wars in the world? We'll take that one on too. So we're coming right at you here on a priest and a rabbi podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Bait Chaim. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now, WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at 220-9788-220-WSTU. Now, here's your host. Well, good morning, everybody, here in sunny Stewart, Florida. This is your favorite priest and a rabbi duo. This is Father Christian here from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Stewart, Florida. And then right next to me is the best-looking rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River. It is Rabbi Matthew Durbin. And no, ladies, he is not single, so don't worry about trying to put a ring on his finger. He is spoken for. Rabbi Durbin, talk to me, friend. What's going on? How are you doing? How's life? We, uh, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. You look good this morning. You look very good. Thank you. Did you have some extra coffee? Did you get some good sleep? Did you just hug your children more closely this morning and just jazzed you up? We've, uh, we, we, we've had quite a month, quite a month of just uh, a lot of activity. Who's we? 
the temple, the Jewish people, uh, community. We've uh, we 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 did it all this month. We did a lot. You were very busy, my friend, and uh, I just want to tease out what we're going to talk about today, so people uh, don't switch their FM dial. It's just kidding. It's an AM dial. Uh, we are talking about why do why do why do uh, I hate religion? So that's coming up. But in the meantime, so let me go back to uh, just to flip it a little bit on why I love religion. Uh, for is, those, is, is this about going into your last month? Because I want to hear about is, why your month was is, so amazing. This is this is going into uh, the last the last few weeks. We've done uh, we've done a lot. Not only with the temple, we've brought in music artists. We've had. Um, uh, a lot of great programs and activities. We actually have something coming up on Tuesday night uh, for those that may be interested in terms of uh, uh, we're bringing in a, uh, a woman by the name of Edie Weeder, Weeder uh, who is uh, started an organization out of Fort Pierce called Orca. Uh, and we are going to be doing at the Rappaport Center here. Wait, wait, hold up. Her, name, her last name is Weeder and her Orca is the name of the organization. The Oceanographic Research. She's, uh, she's an environmentalist. She is a, uh, a conservationist. We but are d- looking d- d- at the I'm challenges. Sorry. We are looking at the challenges of, um, of our waterways. As we know that we we uh, take great pride uh, in our in our water here. Uh, not only do we have the Atlantic Ocean, but of course we have the Indian L- River Lagoon uh, and the St. Lucie River. And she is going to be talking about how can we keep our endangered waters? Uh, how can we keep it healthy? How can we keep it viable? So that is seven o'clock at uh, Temple Beit Hayam uh, this Tuesday. Uh, but beyond that, we did something really special last week. Um, and last week we had uh, for our community what we call Shabbat across America. Um, and that is a reform uh, movements initiative to um, galvanize the entire Jewish um, uh, Jewish population within our communities, uh, and to um, and and to really be active in uh, synagogue and congregational life. And we started a little bit early with a Thursday night, um, a little challah making, a little br- uh, uh, making bread with our sisterhood. Friday night we did a beach Shabbat, which was great. Uh, Saturday we had. Um, we had Elsa and Anna come from Frozen to uh, entertain and uh, bring in the joy of Shabbat with our young kids. We did. Uh, How did that go? What are they? Were they dancing, singing? What yeah, was going no, on they. There? They. Uh, we did a little tot Shabbat, and then they um, they came together and did uh, a bunch of uh, music. And so songs. did you hire actual mm-hmm. actresses? And t- so who do you go through to get that? Uh, there we went through our our ECLC because they have contacts. So we 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 brought them uh, brought the paid forward. performers mm-hmm. who come in and do the song. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just I just want to get this right before, and I know you, you, you. I'm not trying to demean your speaker, but her last name was Whedon, was it? Wider. Wider. Okay, but can pronounce Weeder. Okay, and she's from Orca. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, ju- I just pointed this out. I just I'm not being funny or being weird. Well, I'm actually being funny, but okay. So for those who take part in the recreational use of marijuana also known as weed, uh, the big strain of seed they use is orca. It's one of the seeds for making. It's a seed that's used for a strain of cannabis. So it just just, just the, you know, since it is legal across the country, um, uh, just just saying, has no one brought that up and said that? Never, that, that, that the, never heard that. For, for, for a guy who used to go to fish concerts, you don't know this? No, I do I not. mean, I went to Grateful Dead concerts. I, I was aware of this. I uh, I have not heard of that. Okay, so now that you had Elsie and and what's her name come to your cons- come to your uh, come to the synagogue, uh, what else did you do? There was something else that really so, happened this last weekend that you brought together so many people, Rabbi. 
So, so uh, just to go off on it a, a little bit, we, we also brought in a uh, volunteer out of the Memorial Schools Trust Foundation out of London uh, to talk about our Holocaust tour that we received about 27 years ago. Um, and for those that may not be familiar, um, um, after the war, there was uh, just shy of 1,600 tourist schools that were salvaged out of the uh, then Czechoslovakia that were sent to London and sent on permanent loan. And we received one of those tours 27 years ago. Uh, so she gave us a little bit of background as to the trust and certainly um, the area of prestige Czechoslovakia to where our tourist school came from, what the community was like, what the, what the Jewish life was like, and what it is like now. So that was kind of interesting and uh, quite exciting. Can I ask you a question? Why, how do you get... Because when I'm hearing all this, a lot of it is for, and this will get into our show topic today, why do I hate religion? So how do you get all this good stuff that's going on that really talks about the Jewish heritage, the Jewish uh, background, uh, what it means to be Jewish? Uh, how do you get people from the outside to learn more about that, right? So what I'm hearing right now, this is, this is, this is, this is going to be the theme of our show. We're both going to play contrarians. We're both going to be critical of one another. Uh, so right now, that sounds like it's really good for people who are Jewish and for people who are inside the walls of that of of your mm -hmm. temple. Uh, w was there any success in getting anyone, or 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 is there a thought of interest of saying let's share this with the community around us? Uh, you know, there there is. I mean, we 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 um, all of our programs, all of our activities are open to the wider community uh, for those who like to you know kind of experience what we as Jews uh, practice. Um, you know, I think the challenge is is that especially within within a lot of our congregations and certainly you know within the churches as well is you know is it is it is it is it purely meant for our own constituents or right. how do we? And I think this is one of the biggest challenges with religion. Yes, how do we? For those that are in the know and those that are relatively active, right? And any message that we put out is 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 really eaten up. But the the challenge is how do we get those on the street or those that are are, are not as active or or not as participatory to uh, come into our doors? And I think that's always been a challenge. Um, do you find that more? Do you think it's more challenging for a, a temple to do that in a place like Martin County than it is for a church to do that? Oh, absolutely. Because? Because there are many, I, I, I think within the church community, and I could be wrong, because you have so many churchgoers, I think that there is something that you can galvanize together. I think within the Jewish community, because we are such a small community here, um, it, it, it's really trying to pull and trying to um, uh, bring together. I think, I think one of the things that does work for us is word of mouth. You know, for people to talk to their neighbors, to their friends, to encourage others to come, and we see this with with um, we see this with worship, where you know people will come join us. How did you hear about us? Is is a very typical question that we might ask, just so for our own measurement that right. we know how we're. And worshiping. how do they answer? Um, a friend invited me, or sure. my neighbor happens to be Jewish, or you know, I I, I heard the temple's doing something this weekend. Because this is something you and I have talked about before. That for Christians, evangelization is a big key to it, right? That's part of our as Episcopalians. That's part of our baptismal covenant. Um, I think Matthew twenty eight is in, in the Gospels for to go out and make disciples. So that is a big call of what it means to be a Christian. But evangelization is not it's not a part of the of the DNA of no. being a Jew, right? So now. And, and relating it to the show, that's also a thing that why a lot of people can't stand Christians is because the evangelization part, because the way that it can be expressed can seem like there's there's strings attached. It's not really out of love. It's more about of just conversion. It's more about of like racking up numbers. It's about building a club, not about building a way of love. Um, so my question to you, though, Rabbi, is that 
from an outsider, this is going to be my outsider for, for the Jewish uh, uh, religion, say you're in Martin County, which is in the top 10 for most unchurched areas in, in, in the country. So there's a huge mission field. So there's people who are searching and seeking for answer and for purpose and for meaning. And Judaism could be that answer. They might not want or whatever, not fit the, the Christian mold. So just because, you know, we are in a Christian area, but still compared to the rest of the country, it's low, um, especially compared to the Bible Belt. What if your temple took on and said, well, you can call it a different term, not evangelization, but if you guys were out there and showed, because there's probably, there's a lot of people who are hungry, hungry, hungry for meaning. And you guys offer something that's different than the average Christian church around here, that people might really, really love it. But what would, uh, would that be called evangelization, or would that just be called outreach? Would that be called well, marketing? I think, I think I think you know it's so interesting when you look at those two terminologies. One, evangelism, which as Jews we just do not do. Why? But we can well because I think I think we use it as a different terminology. We look at it as outreach, right? So you know what have we done in the past? Well, we've gone out to Barnes and Nobles. We've read to our kids stories for Purim, which is coming up this uh, you know on Monday night. Um, you know, we've reached out for Passover just for others to, you know, if you're there, hear a story, come see what we're about, you know, but but not in a um, uh, overly. Um, you're not looking for conversion. No. But why not? Because there might be someone out there who's really seeking and searching. They may, maybe got hurt by the church. And listen, I'm saying all this where my Christian brethren would be like, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, you're, but I'm just saying there might be people really hurting. And then you show up at their door or someone from your synagogue shows up there and say, hey, let me tell you about Judaism. They may be like, you know what? This kind of works for me. I like this. Well, because I think, I think that there are times that, that not in so many words that we do that. I mean, if somebody comes in for searching and saying, you know, I'm really interested. Well, that's great. Let's study together. I mean, we offer private classes, communal classes, you know, things about, um, um, you know, Judaism in terms of Judaism 101, you know, and, and, and we take them through it. Even with our conversion classes, right? My conversion class is a minimum of a year, year and a half. You know, it is a very set course. But at the end of the day, I also say to a lot of uh, those that are searching, in no way is this mandatory in order for you to take conversion. At but why not get like an evangelism committee or whatever you want to call it, an outreach committee and just say, you guys for the next year are going to be getting booths at different events in Stewart and we're going to really get the word out and make an offer. We're going to show up at different events. We're going to show up. Uh, we might do stuff like get a, buy an advertisement on the radio. We're going to put money towards it and see what happens and see if there's a growth. Just because I think there's a hunger and and people don't know. And, 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 and here in Martin County, your temple's kind of tucked away too. Yeah. And so you have this beautiful, wonderful community and you offer this uh, understanding of uh, of of the Abrahamic faith that's that's uh, there, there's a definitely a relationship with 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 Christianity. Um, you guys can do this whole marketing thing, saying we're the OG, we're the originals. I'm, <laughs> but I'm just saying, if I, I I've always wondered that about why does not Judaism be a little more forthright with this with with getting the word out because. A lot of people are sick and tired of Christians who do the evangelization. They just they, they get done. They're burnt. They're like, I can't stand these people, mm -hmm. right? But Jews, you guys offer something else, and and there's a different approach to your evangelization, which is like you're not just trying to convert people to you know to to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You're saying you're we're offering it to a community, a community of love, this, this worship of God, um, and we have this incredible culture, incredible ritual. We are historic. Those Christian people are just way, way, way. You know, they're just they're just these Johnny come lately's man. We're the originals. These guys have only been around for you know two thousand years. We have been around much longer. We, Without we, us, there's no them. We have. So but, so but, you know what I mean. There's this. But I think I think. That but why not? Because I think that there's also something that we 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 do as well, which is uh, what we're doing right now which is working together 
in a uh, communal setting that brings forth uh, our similarities, our differences, whatever it may be, but we come together for the common good of uh, our own humanity. Now, let me just go back. But why not get a booth and like broadcast that? Okay, why not you know put, put put something towards a budget? You know, put something on a banner that says you know, uh, you know, God Judaism question mark. Especially in Martin County, you know, where people are like what. Huh? Mm-hmm. And then you put a put a website. People are like, all right, I want to know more. Can I tell you, it's, it's a good point. I'll, I'll take it under advisement. Um, so if we go, but back, if not, but let, they, me, let, let me just go back because I think I think I think I think we're just we we we, we we're, we're missing something that um, um, I think is really really significant and really important. Um, you joined me on Sunday, and Sunday we did something with um, a lot of faith communities as we came together to express our both local and national um, challenges of what's going on in the world regarding a rise in anti-Semitism, a rise in um, uh, discrimination and um, 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 uh, racism, and really just came together as a community uh, to say uh, we're, 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 we're aligning ourselves with all these people that says we care. Um, I know the night before, kind of had a sleepless night. <laughs> My wife had said to me, what's the worst that happens? You've got our family. You've got five people. Oh, you're afraid of, no one's going to show right, up. Was, it's always I was, that fear. I was slightly sure. afraid that nobody was going to show up. Of course, of course. As we as we crossed over to the northeast side of the bridge of the Roosevelt Bridge on Sunday at one o'clock, um, small little gathering of people, and um, suddenly, right at like two minutes to one, um, I mean, I, I I don't even know, 100, 150 people came. It was and great. It was um, it was really something. I mean, you know, we we lucked out with weather. Weather was really nice. Gorgeous it was weather. Pleasant. Um, everyone had a good time. It was um, it was just it to me when I look back on that image and that experience. That is community, and that is why I love where I live because people can come together and share in some commonality. Um, you know, even now. Uh, you know, whenever I cross over that Roosevelt Bridge, uh, life is very different to me now. Um, I took my kids over the other day, uh, and my daughter had said, um, Dad, is this the bridge? Is this mm-hmm. the bridge we walked over? Right. And then we kept saying, okay, at what point did we turn over and walk back? Um, and it was, just, it was just something that, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to my kids about what that meant for them. And, and my kids had said, you know, what really was really uh, beautiful, Dad, was it was just all walks of life came together. Everyone came together. It was fun. It was exciting. We were doing something. So this is a healthy thing about religion. A lot of people do not like religion. So why don't you do it more? You guys do this really well. The Jews march better than a lot of other people do. And especially when you would go back to the civil rights. We've talked about this before. And so you, what you did, you rabbi, right, inspired by God, brought together at least 10 different denominations of various religions all came together to march across this bridge, various colors, various demographics, to march against hate and anti-Semitism and bigotry uh, with signs that covered everything about equality, just just against bullying. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful thing. And to know that that was led by the temple is something, a word that needs to get out. I'm just challenging the temple but, to be but, more but I, and to step into evangelism. I think also what, what, what you just said there, too, is— when we look at the challenges that religion poses for us, as opposed to the beauty of what religion can give, and I think that what that showed was I may not be the most observant person. I may not be X, Y, or Z. But you know what? I can come together in a fun and impactful way. And I think that that is still a form of religion. I think that there are times where people may say, I can't stand religion, but don't see it from other underlying messages, right? So I, th- I think one of the messages, too, is, you know, religion is also about socialization. 
right? It teaches us to be part of a wider community, whether it be insular or, or, or out there, but it brings us together. Because I think religion is, a small subset of religion is worship, but I think the other subset of religion is also the action, it is the doing, it is the socialization, it is, it is the, the, the feeling of people coming together with shared, shared commonality, shared responsibility, shared love of uh, something bigger than ourselves. And I think, I think, you know, I hear it all the time in terms of I'm not the most observant, I'm not the most religious, which is just not true, um, because as a Jewish people, we are religious, inherently religious. But I think that there's, there's a lot of challenges that I think present itself when we think about religion and more specifically about organized religion. I think that sometimes it puts people off of, well, that's not where my mind is. And I think that those challenges of how do we break apart those those feelings or those experiences to put it in a context that is meaningful that we are searching you know when i was a kid i mean religion was the furthest thing from my mind you know, i go to services two or three times a year as a kid i'd go for high holidays i never understood because why because i couldn't connect i couldn't connect i mean the liturgy so was your parents did, your parents didn't make you go Oh, no, my parents made me go. But you only went two, three times a year. But I, for my parents... So they make you go. No, but the difference is, is that what my parents did was to say there were certain times throughout the year that it was expected upon you to go to services. So for high holidays, Rosh Hashanah... Yom right, Kippur, so you, you weren't made to go. You only had to go 5% of the year. Yes, but, but beyond the 95% of the year, I, I had to celebrate Shabbat at home. It was very okay. important to my parents. You know, the odd exception... For those that remember 1992, 1993, when the Toronto Blue Jays won the World Series back-to-back and we were world champions for two years. You know, in that instance, you know, my parents would say, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Okay, you know what? That game six of the World Series happens to be on a Friday night. We happen to have tickets. We'll go. Or if prom happened to be on a Friday night, that it was well... But you didn't have to go every... But you didn't have to go to Temple every Friday. No, but I. But what the I did, seeds that get planted in the average do, person no, about but, why they hate religion is because they're forced to go every Friday or every Sunday. You yes, weren't forced to go. That was pretty easy. I was easy. forced to go, but I think that what what I was forced to do was to um, be together to celebrate Shabbat with my family. Now, the challenge with that is that a lot of my friends were secular. A lot of my friends would go out Friday night. I was never allowed, um, and I never understood what that meant until I was in college. And I remember calling my dad and saying, "I get it." And my father says to me, "You get what?" Because I was never allowed. My father would say, you want people over Friday night? Fine, invite them for dinner. But you're not going out after. It's a time to relax. It's a time to be with, with family. And it's a time to really understand why today, tonight, is our day and God's day of rest. And I think when, when I got that when I was in college, that it wasn't about going out to a movie or going out to the pub or going out wherever. It was really about taking that sacred time to acknowledge that today is God's day as well as my own. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What does that have to do with people hating religion? Because I think that sometimes if we force it, then there is pushback. As a kid, I rebelled. I did not like it. It was only at a certain point where I realized for you, myself, It wasn't that bad, though, for you. You only had to go three times a year. No, no, no. I'm not. See, but, see, but now what, what you're doing is you're taking it from the worship experience as opposed to the entire gambit of uh, prayer life or worship I'm life. just saying you didn't have – it wasn't that bad for you. I mean, people who hate religion are the people who were forced to go each week to go to like a, at least an hour, if not three hours. It was forced down the throat. There was ways, things they had to do. You could get off for the World Series, man. Yeah, but also remember – I don't think people uh, are going to hate religion but, because but, of that. But but in, in fairness to myself, um, uh, you know, it wasn't just the three or four times a year I went to services uh, as a kid. 
I, I mean, I was in religious school Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Um, that's just the way it was. It was four days a week. Okay. Um, all, right. all the way from, you know, it was interesting. When I was, when I was very young, when I was in kindergarten, you know, our, our, our Sunday religious school was not on Sunday. It was actually on Saturday. And then when I moved and transitioned to, I think it was grade one, you know, the synagogue decided to change our religious school to a Sunday. You know, and the reason that they had it on a Saturday was that you would have the opportunity to celebrate Shabbat with the community and then learn more. And I think that those challenges, look, four days a week for a series of 10, 12, X amount of years, it takes its toll. All right. So we, we, we're curious about you. We, we don't want to hear more about the rabbi's religious history. We want to know about your religious history. What do you think in your youth or, or grown up might have pushed you away from religion? What have you experienced in this world that might have pushed you away from religion? Or if you have a friend who just doesn't like religion at all, for whatever reason, maybe it's because it was boring or like the rabbi said, there was just, he, he went through a rebellion because he had to do something, whether it was religious school or doing uh, Shabbat at home. What about for you? So give us a call here, 772-220-9788. This is a priest and a rabbi here. We want to know what has pushed you away from, from religion. So before we go to break, uh, let, let, let me put one big one out there, um, rabbi, um, about do you feel – so one of the things that comes up, and I, I looked at some of these articles about the top 10 reasons why people hate religion. We'll get to the wars. We'll get to all that stuff. But let me let, let me let me. I'm going to dangle the the biggest guy out there who has a platform who really doesn't like religion at all. Um, and Bill Maher, right? And you and I have talked about him before. And my take is that he actually is a full blown believer in God. He's just wrestling with him, and that's why he puts so much energy towards God. This is his quote. He says, "One of the um, one of the complaints leveled against me is, oh, Bill, you're such a meanie. Why do you have to go after religion? It gives people comfort. It doesn't hurt anything." Okay, well, other than most wars, the Crusades, the Inquisition, 9-11, arranged marriages to minors, blowing up girls' schools, the suppression of women and homosexuals, fatwas, ethnic cleansing, honor rape, human sacrifice, burning witches, suicide bombings, condoning slavery, and the systematic effing of children, there's a few little things I have a problem with. End quote. What do you think about that quote, Rabbi? It's pretty loaded. It is pretty loaded, but I also think that the underlying message there, too, is that there are some who believe that that religion is, uh, for, for all intents and purposes, that religion is the catalyst for uh, the world's evils and the world's problems. And I think that it's very clear in that quote in terms oh, of— Oh, sure. You know, go back. I mean, it, does it start during the Crusades a thousand years ago? No, it, it's well before then. And I think it's, it's how we define religion— and I think it's, it's also the recognition that, yes, I am struggling in some way. I think that when we look at it, look, suicide bombing, or you look at this, that, and the other, yeah, those are major challenges that impinge upon our religious freedom. And I think that there are, there are a lot of, of um, uh, misnomers when it comes to how we access our faith and how we put our faith forward. There is a little bit of a rebuttal to what I, mean, I understand somewhat what Bill's coming from, but he, he also, statistically speaking, he is off. So according to the Encyclopedia of Wars, of all the 1,763 known and recorded historical conflicts, 123 or 6.98% had religion as their primary cause. 
right? 6.9. Now, and this, but this also gets blurred, you know, so I went, when I went to Lebanon to visit the family out there, they, they talk about, yes, yeah, so some of these wars, the civil wars get labeled as religious, but he's like, no, it's all really about power mm -hmm. because then religion gets thrown on top of it to help with different, uh, different um, allyships or uh, uh, who's the enemy. Sure. So you have groups one year who it's like one battle or war is it's the Christians versus, uh, you know, the, the for, against the Muslims. But then the next year, that same group is bonding together to go against the Druids. And that's only because of just because it's better for a power base. So the religion gets like labeled on top. It's all about power. But 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 I think it, it, it's about power, but I think it's also about acquisition. It's about it's about acquiring more for ourselves, more land. I think that part of part of uh, the majority of the world's wars uh, have they been fought in terms of in the name of religion or is it fought in terms of what that land or what that uh, 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 capability presents for me? Right. You look at the wars in the Middle East. What are uh, a large percentage of the wars in the Middle East based on water? It's based on on, 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 on on things that I need to survive. Right. Right. But we can we can placate it by saying, well, you know, this is in the name of religion. Look at the Crusades in the name of religion. We're going, you know, forth from from France to England to all the way to the Middle East. You know, to hit those shores of the Mediterranean. <laughs> what is it really about? It's not. I, I, I don't think that it. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to be naive and say that it's not done in the name of religion. I think that in those cases, certainly with the Crusades, it is. But I think that there is something much larger above and beyond it. And you think I, there's something very strategic yes. that those popes sent the, the kids out or the old folks out because it was a lot. There was something much bigger to gain uh, besides boosting their numbers at church. Yes. <laughs> there was a land grab. There was resources. Yes. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, so we're going to go to break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into what are some of these top reasons why people do not like religion. Um, and so please give us a call here at 772 220 978. This is a priest and a rabbi. We'll see you soon. You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A uh, Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And, and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find a relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. 
Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more of the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest. I love that. We had uh, the rabbi's daughter, Ellie, on the bass when we were in the studio making that song. And that's where we came up with the incredible intro music to a priest and a rabbi. Hashtag not true. So uh, I'm here with uh, Rabbi Durbin. I am Father Christian Anderson at St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart, Florida. And uh, we're continuing our conversation on why do people hate religion? Um, so ra- the first half of the show, we, we started to dig into why what were the seeds that caused the rabbi to really not like religion for a point or rebel against religion? Uh, and that was more about being forced, forced to do the religious school. So sometimes that happens for us that there's a force that you're, 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 the structure is put upon you. You push back at it. But I will say, and we can continue this in another show, that it's good that your parents were forced because they planted the seeds that now grew into this beautiful rabbi sitting next to me. Sure, so I don't think sure. that's a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. But I also think, I also think that there are times um, um, that that as a religious people or as a religious faith that uh, we go back on the challenges or the uh, uh, for like, the challenges that that that, that permeated you know uh, decades or centuries before right so let me give an example uh, and I could be wrong on my date so forgive me on my date but I think it was like 1896 it was the first ordination class of a reform uh, movement out of Cincinnati known as the Trefa Banquet. Right as they were ordained, they had a, a very lavish dinner, a little banquet dinner where they served, uh, you know, pork and seafood. They served uh, shrimp. They served pork. They, they served shrimp as part of their um, um, who uh, did meal. Uh, the the ordination class in in uh, 1896. There are many who still believe that that's the case for our movement. Oh, you know, Rabbi, I uh, I'd like to come to your dinner, but I don't eat pork or seafood. Well, neither do we. Well, you know, I heard about this trefa banquet. Well. You know, that was 130 years ago. We don't still practice like that. And I think that part of it is misinformation. Part of it is um, uh, going back on something that uh, doesn't fit into our worldview. And then I think we harbor those feelings and that angst against what has been done in the past that clouds our vision for where we are or where our future lies. And I think that there are, there are a, a grave challenges there. Yeah. Thanks. I, I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how that how that pertains to you 
pushing against religion as a child. Because I think that not for me pushing against religion, but I think for others maybe pushed against religion because of previous understanding or previous misnomers that happens within the religious field. All right. Yeah. I might have to think about that one. All right. So here we go. Here, here, here's point two. Here we go. How about this? Religion causes you to condemn yourself. That's a big reason. That's a big reason why people. What does that mean? What does that mean to condemn yourself from, from what? Because, okay, and, and this might be, and I think from a Judeo-Christian standpoint, and I think from uh, definitely a Judeo-Catholic standpoint, that there's this guilt. There's a guilt that comes with being, and that's why you know Jews and Christians, Jews and Catholics get along really well in the marriage, right? It's the most successful interfaith marriage out there, right? Statistically speaking, because well, a lot who of people invented say, guilt. Okay, they were saying so Jews and Catholics get together and they can all at least agree on the guilt. So that's the condemning of yourself of saying I'm just a bad human being. Uh, I have this. You, you guys don't believe in original sin, do you? No, but this idea that I'm just this this mortal being who is prone to make such big mistakes, and I'm just trying to be a somewhat of a resemblance of something that's beneficial to this world, but because of my flesh and these things that I do, that I'm just a a, a, a bad human being. Um, and God is perfect, and so there's this condemning of one self that happens. And now in Christianity, it would be now because of Jesus, because of the cross, I am saved and redeemed. However, I'm still just this this sinful person um the church has tried to use that to move towards it's been very uh dangerous in, in its, its use of that but what the, the the hope is what the church was trying to do uh they they erred in was lead people to humility that humble yourselves just humble humble humility so you don't live into arrogance and a pride and say you know at the end of the day i'm still just a sinful being and i'm trying to be this generous loving compassionate person i've been saved by this jesus christ so what what is your thing do you think do, do you not agree that that religion can cause us to condemn ourselves in a very unhealthy way? I, or is I, it a good I, thing that religion helps us to condemn ourselves? No, I would push I back think, on it and say it's good. The, the, the word that you use, which I think is, is, is so impactful and so true, especially in a Judaic context, is humility. Is recognize your own vulnerability, recognize your own humility, and, and try and change in some way. And I think for those that are unwilling to change, sure, there's pushback there. Yes. And I think it's that pushback that goes way back that effectively says, I, I, I want out. I, I, I don't want I don't, I don't want to be part of it. You're right. So, so yeah, I would push back at, 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 at this at this this um this point here because I think it's okay that you, right now we live in such a moral moral relativistic culture where I think sometimes people push back in any kind of structure or any kind of institution that's gonna tell you to give you a way to live. Because mm -hmm. people say, No, it's my life. I want to do it. I want to follow my heart. I just want to follow my own. Just do me. And religion comes along and says, Well, yeah, you could do you, but really there's a there's a higher way of being you and there's a structure to follow that. And also you gotta realize you gotta humble yourselves too and look at your own sin. And there's some parts where you need to go and say, God, this is where I'm missing the mark. But does, does religion allow us the opportunity to veer against the structures and the formality to present us with a different message or a different feeling regarding religion? In my context, I would say absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in your denomination. In my denomination. Well, that's part of why your denomination formed, right? Yes. And okay. I think I think even we look at it from 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 a different context. You're saying you're not a rigid denomination. Yes, we are not. We're meaning that so when you guys change your that viewpoints, there are multiple multiple ways to access prayer, multiple ways of accessing God, multiple ways for us uh, to 
experience the divine and community and everything else uh, in 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 a uh, perhaps unstructured or a non-conventional way. But what about this condemning? Let's go back to the condemning. Do you think that Judaism sometimes can um, uh, be a little heavy-handed on the guilt? Yes. Why? Where does that come from? I think guilt is found within that we put such huge expectations upon ourselves that the guilt itself is internal. We have an internal struggle with ourselves. Maybe it's ourselves and God, ourselves and our fellow human beings, ourselves and ourselves on a, on a, on a personal level. This is in particular not just for any human being, but the Judaic context. Yeah. Yep. But why? Because you hear a lot about this. I mean, now from a Catholic context, I would say it's because of original sin. You know, that gets thrown upon us, thrown upon us, thrown upon us. Original sin, you're just a sinful being, sinful being, sinful being. Uh, but what about from a Judaic context? It's not original sin. So where does that guilt come from? Why are you so guilty? Because I think, I think we put it upon ourselves. Why? Give us a call. Tell us your thoughts. If you're Jewish, why the guilt? What's if you're Catholic? Why the guilt? If you're a Christian, why the guilt? Tell, let us know. We we want to know. Um, if you're a recovering Jew, if you're a recovering Christian, we want to know why the guilt. We really um, we're not here to try to corner you. We we really do want to know. Seven seven two 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 zero nine seven eight eight. I'm really pushing the phone call thing. Is anyone out there? Hello, is this mic on? All right. Uh, next question. Religion causes you to judge others and live a life of comparison. Does religion do that or does humanity do that? We are social beings, which means as a social being that we are prone to judge others. Uh, I, I think, look, in, in, in a Judaic context, you know, we try as best we can not to judge other people, but we do in every context that we do. You know, we, we, we and I think it, it's about humility. It's about recognition that we try as best we can not to. I mean, we're, we're not in somebody else's shoes. We don't know what they're experiencing. We don't know what's going on with, 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 with others. So I think in that context, it's, it's something that says we try and live our lives as best we can. So, so this is going to get into the whole religious conversation of is religion just what man's version of putting the structure around God or what? So we, 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 we got a caller, Frank you the do. Tank. Frank the Tank. I, the, welcome I to the show. Thanks, buddy. So what about uh, compliance, uh, uh, orthodoxy compliance to uh, whatever the structural, cons you know, whatever the construct is for the belief system? Okay. Oh, that's a great. So, um, so uh, Rabbi, let me, let me throw this at you. Okay. So from an orthodoxy standpoint, um, and uh, do, do you think that from, is Frank saying that from an orthodoxy standpoint that there is... Frank, let me get let me let me bring you back on here. Frank, are you saying from an orthodoxy from a Judaic standpoint or orthodoxy just a religious standpoint? Frank, Frank, you still there? We lost Frank. Okay, so okay, let's let, let, let's take from let's take it from a uh, Judaic standpoint. So, Rabbi, from an orthodox, and I know you you don't want to speak for your 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 brothers and sisters in the Orthodox faith because I know you're really good about setting good boundaries here and respecting. Mm -hmm. uh, but do you think that that level of guilt is, is different from one denomination to the other? 
like before like reform folks as opposed to orthodox well i think i think within or within the realm of orthodoxy it, it, it's based on structure it's based on strictures and it's based on um uh, a, a deep level of understanding i think from a reform perspective i think i mean where does the guilt come from i don't know i really don't i mean i i don't know if it, if it's just from from the human nature perspective, or things that so you don't think there's any difference between denominations between in terms a, a, a of orthodoxy how we, I, or, or or guilt? No, because I would say in the de- denomination of Christians, if you go from an orthodox like the orthodox denomination, uh, orthodox church as opposed to the Catholic Church, if you get to maybe the Episcopal, some Protestant, I would say the guilt does start to get a little bit less. That's a blanket statement, though, because there are some sure. I have evangelical brothers and sisters who are wrapped in guilt who haven't accepted the, the redemption they've received in Jesus. So, uh, so it's a it's a hard well, Frank, I, Frank, I hope we answered your question. If not, give us a call. Um, Francis, we got another caller here. Francis, big, this is a night, this is a day of F, so we need another F person to call in. So, uh, you know, do, do we have a Fred out there? So, Francis, what's up, buddy? I'm not guilty, and I have no shame, and I, I got picked up some things from the Bible saying that I was created in God's image and likeness, and God, of course, is a spirit. It doesn't have a body, so in body things are are not really appropriate to the true me, because I'm a spiritual uh, being having a human experience. Now, Francis, do you, would you, would you uh, align yourself with a particular uh, religion or denomination? No, absolutely not, because uh, I guess uh, virtually all of them have uh, in, in, induced guilt. And, they, and why uh, is that, the induced guilt? I don't know. It doesn't matter to me, because it's just totally inappropriate to me. Okay, so do you do you so would you when you read scriptures though do you read Judaic scriptures, Christian scriptures? The, I do. The I do very little, and when I read them, I just find things that I I choose uh, uh, intelligently not to believe, including like the, the commandments, the first three commandments, where God is concerned about His image and all of these things. God doesn't have any problems, and there's nothing that I have to do to satisfy God because God. God, by the virtue of the idea of God, you can't define God, but I can't envision a God with any problems. Okay. All God is is love. And if I don't do something, I can't make God angry at me, because God doesn't, I don't believe, have the concept of anger. Okay. Francis, thank you so much, brother. We always love you calling in. That's something to, for us to chew on here. Um, so, uh, Rabbi, I mean, Francis brings up a good point. That, one, one thing quickly. Oh, yes, all, sir. We're all good, created in God's good image, and God loves us more than we can ever believe, and there's like nobody, uh, there's probably isn't even a hell, and especially with sick and really deranged people, God does not send them to hell, uh, and uh, so get over it. This is Francis. You always come with 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 some good stuff, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you right. and the show. Thank you. God bless you, man. So this keeps on getting back to this idea of so Francis has a, a definitive view of who God is: a God of love, um, a God who doesn't judge, a God who doesn't bring guilt upon us. So, but for Francis, for his views. The scripture is not going to, the word of God is not going to be a full, complete thing that's going to, this structure that's going to work for him because there's stuff in it like the couple of commandments he doesn't agree with, right? And there's going to be things, and I think religion per se is not going to work for him because of that structure. So this keeps on getting back to this, to, to this big question that's, I think, just hovering over us, Rabbi, is, is religion ordained by God? Right, because when I hear commas is saying people they love Jesus but they hate the church, uh, I'm like, but 
Jesus created the church. But 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 so, in that context, so, in that context, can can you? Is it possible for you as a priest to separate the two, or or to empathize with somebody that says, "I may love and put my faith in Jesus. I just don't. I don't particularly like the church." Now, are we talking about a localized church? I don't like the church of blank right or is it i don't like the globalized sure understanding of centralized centralized worship say so, yeah it, it's, it's a great question what is the issue with religion is it the structure that goes around the deity right so the deity comes and we worship this deity whatever religion you might be on but then as human beings or as different cultures we, we create this structure around it so we set up there's usually a scripture that's there a word that we that we read that that guides us uh, and then we have different views are we literalist of it are we contextualists of it and then there's worship how we do worship and there's a proper way to pray and and we put these structures around us and is that i mean there's a lot of human hands in that right and then there's teams that got to be built around this. And there's leaders that grew up in this. And we see that in the Old Testament of how you got to deal with leadership. So when does it become more human-based and less God-based? And and then when it becomes so human-based, you say, well, now it's become too, quote-unquote, religious. It's too much humanity. You have all of this toxicity involved in it. You have people stealing money. You have priests, you know, uh, uh, messing around with young boys. You got uh, people just being mean and horrible and being judgmental and being exclusivist. So now, what it, does that mean God has left that religion? Because that's not really reflecting the truth of God, and because one, any any time you get man's hand is in it, it, is it is it is it God leaving religion, or is it for that particular person who may be struggling their own perceived ideology that God has left me? Maybe maybe that's the struggle. I wouldn't be able to because there's a cord on this, but I would like to drop the mic for you on that one. That was that was great, buddy. That was great. No, no, that's good stuff. No, that that is true. No, but I think I think that that part of it too is also I think there has to be self-recognition that there is something within our lives if we don't believe or we're struggling with something that says, "You know what? I need to go a little bit further. I'm struggling with this conception of God." You know, years ago when I was in England, I gave I gave a sermon But but uh, does that have to do I'm sorry to interrupt you here, brother, yep. but I just want to stay on on on, on fact here is that the the <sighs> When we have an issue that we struggle with religion, and I want to say, do, don't we have a responsibility by saying, yes, I'm still trying to get, is religion God-ordained or is it created by man? And I want to say that at least, all I can say is like, let's say the church. The church is created by Jesus Christ. So when the church starts to have issues, I, I, it's not Jesus that allowed these men to do these horrible things to these to these children, sure. right? The humanity got in and did some horrible things, but we have a responsibility to Christ's church to help redeem it and to heal it and to get and to take care of these issues and to deal with the, it. And, and that, that's our responsibility, not to hide it, but to uncover it, to look at the sin and get these people out of these positions, get them in jail or rehab, wherever they need to go. Um, but to say all religion is just corrupt then then we just close the doors and run away as opposed to saying we have a responsibility to God's house and to he's called us to redeem it and heal it. Um, and but how much of it, too, is just a rejection and not the ability to actually work through our own challenges regarding it? You mean personal, not as a community? Personal. No, I, 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 even as a community. I mean, look, as, as a Reformed Jew, I, I, see, I see my religious faith as divinely inspired by God, but yet my Torah— is been written by man. 
that there is a divine purpose, there's a divine spark, there's, there's, there's stuff there that I follow, but I'm also keenly aware that for me, that it, it, it's taking it with, with a, like a better term, a grain of salt. That, that, that I, I, I respect it. I, I take it seriously. I have to understand the context and the history to which it was, it was, it was compiled and it was, it, was, it was brought forward. But I think that there are times where, you know, there are, are there statements that are written in the Torah that, that I, am, I am personally opposed to? Yes. Oh, wow. Are there things? Wait, that, wait, hold up, hold up. Wait, wait. So really? Yes. What do you mean opposed to? I mean, this is for another show. But, it absolutely but, but, is. You know, the one, the, the very contentious line that comes out of Leviticus. Okay. Right? I am opposed to that. I don't believe that that is, is God speaking. I, 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 I think that if I was, if I, if I am created B'Tselem Elohim in God's image, and therefore I have the ability to love and to be loved, it may not be the lifestyle or the choices that I choose, but I am not in the position to judge somebody else. And maybe that is the role that religion plays for me, is to say, it is not for you to judge. Learn, study, experience, love. All those parts of that, that build community form a basis for how I understand and access my faith. Well, I, yes, I, I, this, man, th- this is the inherent, I guess, struggle that we have with religion. I, I do think we need religion. I do think we need structure. I, I do think we need the guidance. We need the Ten Commandments for you and I, Judeo-Christians. Hindus have another, another thing. But for as a Judeo-Christian, we need that structure. You need. When, when we went into the Promised Land, and Moses says, you're about to go into the Promised Land, and I'm going to hand off the keys to Joshua, right, that, listen, you're, there's going to be crazy temptation for you. Just because you got me on your side doesn't feel like everything's all hunky-dory, right? And not, not all of us, I'm not taking a shot at Francis, but I'm just saying not all of us can be like Francis where we can just go with the flow like that. We as human beings need structure. We need the Ten Commandments to give us a guide because if not, you're going to be tempted and brought in so many different ways and just it turns into a cafeteria religion, which we don't want. You need some structure. And so you find a denomination that gives that fits your soul and says, okay, I have a word to go to. I have this liturgy that gives me structure how to worship God. And I do think that religion in the 21st century, at least in America, is going to be hitting some rough spots with culture because culture right now is not about this structure. It's about, hey, man, you just go where the day takes you and mm-hmm. you're going to do this job for three years and you go to this year. You're going to marry this person or you're not even going to get married anymore. We don't want to put an institution of, of, of marriage around us. Right. Uh, and religion is saying, well, no, there, there is a way to live and there is a way to act and there is a word that guides us. And sometimes that's going to put boundaries around you and that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But that's OK, because of, of faith, we believe that's going to make you a better human being and lead to more fulfillment and joy and and peace and holiness this is a whole other so as, as as i know that we're running out of time here if we could just take uh just a brief moment father anderson and say of all the things that we've discussed and through all your experience what is the one thing that you hate you yes sir father anderson yes sir hate about religion that it doesn't play well in the sandbox it, it drives me absolutely nuts is that there there is it becomes very siloed um, even in the Christian denominations we become very siloed and there's this one thing that we all agree upon which is Jesus Christ but we I think we have this disease of tribalism and that's just part of the humanity part of it we want to be a tribe we want to find our place and we want to say we got it and you don't and God just cries God just cries I think that one and in a quick second is just not really being obedient to the scripture mm-hmm. so we, we we say that we're Christian we say we're a Christian nation we do some things that are com- inherently completely against um, what 
what God is saying, um, and and that but we still we're still willing to flow up the flag and say no, we're this Christian nation, right? And there's a lot of examples I can give, but we'll wait that for a second. So those two drive me nuts, and I can see why people would be like, I don't want any part of it. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites. What about you? Out of all these things, <laughs> I think for for myself, uh, one of the challenges that I face with, especially with um, you know what I hate most about religion is when religion is used for personal devices. When, when religion is used or skewed in a way that goes against humanity, that goes against the, the uh, values and ethics of our world, when religion is used as a catalyst for the world's wars or for conflict around, uh, uh, around the world, that we use, we use that conflict in the name of religion. I think that that is one of the things that I hate most, is that sometimes I feel that religion is co-opted by others for personal devices. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, listen, we want to thank Frank uh, and, um, and and all, uh, all of our uh, callers who called in today, and Francis, and uh, just thank you for calling in, and for, for all of you, please leave a comment about, really, we want to keep this conversation going. What drives you nuts about religion, and do you feel that that religion itself is necessary for people to find God. Do you think it's necessary, whether we don't care what religion you are, but do you feel like it is necessary? And we didn't even get to the whole community part for you to find a community because religion can't just be a solo act. We know that. So we'll continue this conversation. Thank you so much for allowing the, the rabbi and I to rant with you. Please go to our, uh, our Facebook page, hit the like and, and join the community there. Uh, and uh, to get onto the podcast. If you joined us late today, you go to the podcast um, on iTunes or any place, Apple Podcasts, any place, and just say, hey, Alexa, play a priest and a rabbi, and you'll get us. We are so grateful to be here with you. God bless you, rabbi. You're the greatest. Uh, for all my Christians out there, happy Lent to you. And as over at St. Mary's Episcopal Church, we'll be having lots of stuff every Wednesday night. We have a Lenten series about growing in a spiritual formation. So come on every Wednesday night for the rest of Lent. God bless you. We'll see you on the flip side. Peace.